Good evening. This is Apostle Corey Evans with Zion Ministries in Harvest, Alabama, welcoming you to another verse-by-verse Bible study on the book of Romans. We're going to continue our study in Romans chapter number 5, verse 2. Romans chapter number 5, verse 2. And the word of God reads, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And the verse starts off by declaring by whom we have access. But that particular statement is continuing from 5-1 in a colon at the end of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I would submit to you this because the emphasis of by whom the implied understanding is by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can conclude that to the degree that you and I are connected to his lordship, are surrendered to his lordship, have really crowned Jesus, and to the degree that we allow Jesus to become master, ruler, commander, lord over our lives, over our mind, will, emotions, spirit, soul, and body. So to the degree that we surrender to his lordship, we have access by right of him. Okay? And if you look at verse 1 and verse 2, it's implying that when we surrender to his lordship, we have the right to access heaven um, in the credibility of him, in the person of him, uh, in, the, in the admission of him. This word access means admission. So to, to be admitted, which, you know, in a, in a sense, it's, if you can just think about VIP entrance, but to be to have admission into all of this goodness and all of this grace, we have to do so by him. And the only way to, to enter in um, in the credibility of Jesus is to surrender to his lordship. And what you'll find is in the New Testament that every victorious, overcoming, promising, um, aspiring thing that you and I have been given freely to receive, you will see this word by whom or in him. Okay. And it's important to understand this because it's very easy to begin to learn biblical things, but to, if not careful, to get away from the person of Jesus Christ and the work of redemption that he did on the cross, and our responsibility to connect and to relate with him and in him and to identify with Christ in order to access uh, the reality of God. And if you, especially John chapter 5, but if you read the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, it's very clear that the Father does not have anything to do with blessing man, promising man, increasing man, or releasing his goodness 
toward man outside of his son or outside of the honor, the respect, the relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Everything that the Father has willed to love toward us that you and I experience, we have to experience those things in Jesus or in his son. And so you can't just say because I'm a Christian and you can't just say because God is God and God is a father and the father loves me. All those things are true, but none of those things are true benefit in our lives if we don't keep Jesus Christ at the forefront and at the center of our relationship with the Father and him being the very reason that you and I have a right to the blessings of God, the promises of God, the goodness of God, uh, we can't leave him out. And you, you always have to stay centered on him himself as the entrance and as the means of access into grace. So it says in verse 2, by whom, or by Jesus Christ, also we have access by faith. Okay? And this is why faith is so important. We talked about in the first verse how that we're justified by faith. Now we see that we have access by faith. And this is why our faith cannot be dormant. We can't allow for our faith to be inactive, inoperative, uh, not working. Because literally everything that you and I um, are privileged to experience from the kingdom of God, we must do so through the faith that God has given us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us, For without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder than that diligently seek him. So faith pleases God. Um, and so too, when we look at this, it says, by whom we also have access or admission by faith. Okay? Through, through Jesus Christ, you and I, we have admission by faith. Listen, into this grace. And so you and I have to become grace-minded. So we have access through Jesus Christ, who's the door, but the destination that we're trying to get to is into the grace of God. Now, when it says into this grace wherein we stand, this is an experiential grace, okay? This is a grace that you can experience. This is what we will call encounter. A lot of times we say, I want to encounter God. I want to experience God. You know, I want a fellowship with God. I want to know him personally and intimately. And when you, when you see grace in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, that's what should come to mind. By whom we also have access by faith into this grace or the experience of this unearned, undeserved, unworked for, unmerited favor, goodness, and blessing. Uh, that God has for us and bestowed upon us, it is ours to experience, okay, through faith. So God wants you to have access into grace. He wants you to have access into this grace. And once you enter into this grace of experiencing the love of God, the goodness of God, the mercies of God, the kindness of God, the reality of God, the redemptive benefits of God, God didn't want us to be easily moved from this position. I think sometimes we move too quickly from it. 
But when you when you begin to perceive and see and to encounter and to experience grace for yourself. And and honestly, you say, What does it look like? You ever God ever been good to you and the goodness of God despite of your imperfections led you to weep and to mourn and to just break down in gratitude of God's pure love and his goodness despite of our actions and what we deserve. That's grace. Okay. God doesn't disown us. He doesn't turn his back on us. He doesn't uh, denounce us or renounce us and, uh, or, or cut us off um, and, and, you know, from being children of God. But, um, and he doesn't destroy us or condemn us, but he helps us. And he gives us his love and his goodness and he uh, works with us despite of our actions. That's grace. Well, in this grace, this grace is a place because the next word after grace says we're in. We're in. So grace is a place. Okay. This grace that he's called us to have access to is a literal place in the spirit. And inside of this grace or in this place of grace, he's called you and I to stand. Okay. And this is one of the hardest things I've found for certain believers to do is to stand in grace. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this study, to begin to become grace-minded and learn to not just visit it, learn to not just experience it here and there, learn to not just learn about it, but understand that the original intent of God was to use his son through his crucifixion to open up a doorway in the entrance to you to be able to stand in grace, okay, to stand in grace because everything that God promised, envisioned, and purposed for you and I to experience as being created in his image and in his likeness before the fall of Adam, everything that he promised that you and I experience and become, he has uh, placed in this grace. Like this is the place to where what he envisioned from the foundation of the world and what he planned before the fall of Adam, that these thoughts and these plans are continued. Okay. And they are released and restored and Continue for you and I, in you and I, on behalf of you and I. He picks up where he left off in grace. Okay. He, what he willed for man, all man, he picks up where he left off in this place called grace. And it's important that you stand in it. Because if you stand in it, it will begin to change you, and it will begin to liberate you. It will begin to, it will also challenge you, because it's going to challenge the religious mindset, the traditional mindset, uh, uh, the, the legalistic mindset, the work mindset, the law mindset, uh, the poverty mindset, the slave mindset, uh, the victim mindset. Um, the, you know, the, the, all of that is going to challenge because what he is releasing to you 
has nothing to do with your past or any of those things or even your present, what you can offer through your own strength, through your own power, through your own work. None of that has any bearing on what he has released towards you and given you in grace. But it takes a while for our mind and our hearts to begin, our soul to begin to humble itself, to really let go of old patterns of perceiving, feeling, thinking, and and old conclusions and carnal conclusions that we have about life. Okay? And it's, that's why it's so important that we stand in this grace because it takes a consistent outpouring of grace to uproot, to liberate, to wash away, to purge, to break down, to destroy uh, wrong thought patterns, uh, emotional scars and bondages and lies that are deep-rooted and seated within us and feelings of inferiority and and rejecting love and rejecting kindness and being uh, questioning the love of God and being suspicious, wondering if, you know, God's love will be here today but waiting on me to mess up and he takes grace tomorrow. It takes a while in order to be set free from that mindset because you have to deal with the lies, the doctrines of demons, the unbelief, the effects that life and people have had on you. And this is why you just can't stop by this place called grace, but you have to make it your goal, your aim, your destination, and you have to choose to access it through faith in Jesus and choose to stand in it. That word stand means to abide, to dwell, or to live in that place, which means that you do life from the reality of grace. You deal with everything, like everything becomes uh, filtered through the grace of God in your life. Your, your thoughts become graceful. Your speech becomes graceful. The Bible says that your speech be seasoned with salt, that you may be able to minister grace into the hearers. Okay, your your physical, um, you know, characteristics become graceful. You know how you move and how you walk and how you respond to things become graceful. Okay, your perception about yourself becomes graceful. Okay, and full of grace. Your perception about others becomes graceful as well. And so you have to begin to choose grace as an identity. And you have to position yourself to get used to experiencing grace, surrendering to grace, and not frustrating the grace of God, and accessing it consistently through your faith and not moving from grace to works, grace to works, grace to works, grace to It's all grace. Everything about Calvary is grace. Everything about Jesus is grace. Everything about your identity is grace. Everything God has for you is grace. Everything that he wills, the health, the wholeness, the peace, uh, the deliverance, the freedom, the hope, the expected end, the things present, the things that come, the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living, that's all in grace. Okay, That's all stuff that God has already given us and willed that way because he loves us and he revealed it and extended it through his son, Jesus Christ. For John chapter 1 tells us that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Praise God.
And so you have to become grace-minded. Uh, if you become grace-minded and if you access this place of grace and you stand in it and you have the humility to reject everything that is not in accordance with the grace of God and you allow your faith to awaken, to agree with the grace, okay? Because uh, even salvation, the Bible says, we are saved by grace through faith, okay? And so you have to begin to utilize your faith to lay hold of grace, and when we can do that, then we can experience um, the result, the benefit, the outcome uh, of God's expected end toward our life as revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, no inferiority, um, no condemnation, no shame, no guilt, no fears, no traumas, uh, no insecurity, no self-rejections, no self-hatred, no depression, no heaviness, no hopelessness, no despair. None of those things exist in this place called grace. Okay. And so it's important that you and I that we find our way into it and that we stand in it. We stand in it until all of the residue of the old way of thinking, perceiving, and responding to life has been destroyed and moved from us and that all that we cry is grace, grace. And we're able to say, as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, by the grace of God, I am who I am. And you can be confident in that identity. You can be confident in the identity that grace has made you. Your new creation is a result of his grace. Praise God. And so it's important that you do life from the reality of grace and not outside of it, because only when you accept it and receive it through faith can you move through life securely, uh, overcoming uh, and triumphing and prevailing consistently and not, um, and not falling into ditches and holes and in pits? The difference is, is that when you, you know, you, when you accept grace, you operate from a place of rest and you do good because you are accepted from a place of rest. When you don't operate in grace, you do good to be accepted from a place of anxiety or from a place of fear. And there's a big difference. Okay? God wants you to understand that he's called you to rest and that in order for that growth and that increase, those things that you want to see, we got to enter into his rest. And we have to stop thinking that we are responsible for uh, the production of Christ. And yes, we do have to position ourselves. But a lot of it has to do with accepting the finished work of the cross and learning how to be okay with grace uh, and to receive it and allow it to deal with shame, pain, and, and every, every other thing that the enemy will bring our way to attempt to cripple our, past, our, our present as well as our future. So we have to stand in grace. And then he says, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When you stand in grace, it brings immediate joy, and it also lays a foundation for the means of rejoicing, okay, uh, rejoicing in things as well, rejoicing in 
the promises of God, rejoicing in the word of God, rejoicing in the things that God has said, rejoicing in the word of God. It says, and rejoice in hope or in expectation of the glory of God. Now, chapter 2, I mean, verse 2, Romans 5, verse 2, when he says rejoice in hope of the glory of God, this is twofold. This is speaking about the time that you and I can look forward to when our physical bodies will be changed and we will literally become one or at one or in unison with the literal glory of God. Praise God. When we receive spiritual bodies and when Jesus returns and we, we go up to be with him, uh, praise God. God promises us new bodies that uh, are created with glory and in glory. Um, and so there's coming a time to where believers will not just behold the glory, but the glory of God will be an interwoven in our very existence, into our very being. This is what Jesus spoke of in John chapter 17 when he said to the Father that the glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may know that you have loved them just as you have loved me. And so the Apostle Paul had a revelation of this. This is kind of like the culmination of things, the apex of things, or what it's all about. And he pins down in the scripture that those who truly understand this mystery and can understand the grace that's been extended to them and who choose to stand in it, then they got something to look forward to because their eyes are open and they can rejoice in expectation of the glory of God or one day being changed into his same image uh, from glory to glory. The Bible says, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Um, but, there's also an application of seeing the glory of God show up on earth in our everyday life when not so good things happen or things that we don't expect to happen. Uh, what comes to mind is the story of Lazarus who had died, who um, had the sisters Martha and Mary, and they sent message to Jesus in the gospel saying that Lazarus whom you love is sick, ready to die. Uh, can you come? And we know that Jesus tarried three days and didn't get there. It was, it was four days, and they were kind of mad and a little angry and upset and battling with their thoughts of whether Jesus loved Lazarus or whether he loved them completely or properly. But Jesus said this. He said, only believe and you will see the glory of God. Praise God. So he went back and he told them that even though the situation looks bad, in the midst of a circumstance that seems to be dead, bad, dire, and to the extreme hopeless, your faith, your faith, your faith, your belief has the ability to, uh, to allow the glory of God to break through in this situation. Okay? And so you and I, we have to live life that way. We have to live life realizing that at any moment, your faith, your belief, uh, your confidence in God can be the vehicle that God uses, is ordained to be the vehicle that God uses to see good things, to see kingdom things, to see the wisdom of God unfold and released in not so good situations in the natural. 
whether it be death, whether it be loss, whether it be separation, whether it be famine, whether it be accident, whether it be crisis, whether it be tribulation, whether it be attack. There's never uh, a time that you and I can exist in any moment in our existence in this earth to where our faith cannot connect with God to see the glory of God revealed in our life and in our situation, okay? And we have to understand this, that seldom is the revelation or the revealing of the glory of God according to what we think it should be, okay? But if you have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart, and if you can choose to believe, you will find that God will always reveal his glory uh, when we believe, praise God, in our daily life. Look at verse 3. He said, and not only so, this kind of confirms this, but we glory in tribulation. So God wants you and I to shine. He wants you and I to emanate. He wants uh, his light, his character, his presence, his ways, his power, his anointing, all of these things. He wants these things to be made manifest or to be squeezed out of you or to gush out of you and I when we go through tribulations, okay? And if we understand this, we can conclude that God has, God is not going to remove us from tribulation, but he wants the glory of God to shine through us in tribulation, which means that you know, instead of our faith being able to stop tribulations, our faith is given to us in order to glory in tribulation, okay? To be a testimony of Christ in the midst of trial, in the midst of test. Um, and as we, as we kind of look at this word, tribulation, it means, listen, it means oppression. It means affliction. It means distress, trouble, anguish, persecution. Okay? So the Bible says that we all have our portion of this in life. None of us are exempt from it. None of us get to have a script that's written in life to where tribulation we are exempt from, okay? These things are a day for everyone's life and even a Christian. But he told us that he gave us faith so that we can expect not to be destroyed, not to be consumed, not to be defeated, not to be overwhelmed and overcome, and not to be annihilated in the midst of trial or tribulation, but no, quite the opposite. He said that our faith can cause you and I to glory or to, to, to be at our best, to rise to the top, to, you know, to reflect uh, the power, the wisdom, the glory, the nature, the character, and the ways of heaven in such a way. In other words, to rise like yeast. 
in the midst of everything else that's normal, natural, flat, plain, or going down. Okay? Now, tribulation also means a pressing, pressing together, or pressure. So it's saying that we glory when we are hard-pressed. We glory when we are under pressure. We glory in the midst of affliction or oppression. Okay? And so sometimes our, our faith can be utilized to stop things that we are feeling and going through. But then there are other times when our faith cannot stop tribulations, but our faith should be in God and in his word and in his son. And our faith should, should connect with God's word and God's promise in a consistent, faithful, enduring way. Because in those situations, God is trying to reveal his glory through us. Okay? He's trying to prophesy to the world and to creation by how you glory in tribulation. He's preaching, he's ministering to people everywhere by how you glory in the midst of tribulation, how you shine and how you hold fast to God's heart, his word, his love, his truth, his promises his wisdom, his character, even when it's hard and even when you're under pressure, this is what the Bible means about glory in tribulation. And it takes faith, an active, living, working, operative faith to do that. So God has a purpose and a plan in his wisdom for allowing those things to happen. God bless you. May he increase you more and more. My prayer is that this study brought life and understanding to your heart and your mind. Grace and peace be with you. Until next time, in Jesus' name, amen.